go to the next verse. <laughs> All right, you want to do me a favor? Maybe my iPad and my... All right. That's it, because I forgot. If you turn your Bibles to the book of First Kings, as my wife go get my, my lesson, because I left it in, in my office. All the way to chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19. We continue our Bible study to the book of uh, 1 Kings. And of course, in that, the 1 Kings is coming. 2 Kings. <laughs> right? Are you guys, sure, 2 Kings after 1 Kings, right? Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's look here. Get my lesson together here, and I apologize for that. Actually, is chapter 20. Let's look at chapter 20, verse 22. Verse 22. Chapter 20, verse 22 of First Kings. The Bible says, And the prophet came to the king of Israel... And said unto him, Go strengthen thy, uh, thyself and mark and see what thou does it. For uh, I'm sorry. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up again against thee. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills; therefore they are stronger than we. But let us fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And do this thing. Take the kings away, every, every man out of this place, and put captains in their rooms. And number thee an army like the army that thou hast lots, uh, lots, horse for horse, and chariot for chariot, and we will fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. And he hearkened unto their voice and did so. And it came to pass at the return of the year, uh, the brother was the name of this guy? Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad. No, thank you. <laughs> number the Syrians and went up to Apak and to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel, <laughs> that's it, that's good. <laughs> and the children of Israel were number and were all present and went against them. And the children of Israel pitched them uh, uh, like unto uh, to little flocks of kids, but the Syrians filled the country. They, and then came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, on, uh, and said, I'm sorry, and said, Thus saith the Lord, Because these, the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore I will deliver all this great multitude into thy hand, and he shall know that I am the Lord. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture. Lord, may we, as your children, take to heart tonight, or take heed tonight, that you are the God of the mountains and the God of the valleys. You are everywhere, Lord. And sometimes, Lord, we, when we are in the valleys, Lord, we think, Lord, you forgot us because you're not there, but you are with us. Lord, help us, Lord, to understand this. We can, have, we can experience victory in the valleys as much as in the mountaintops. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight is, he is still God even in the valleys. You know, is the thing right here about this passage. The Assyrians thought that they could fight, they couldn't fight the Israelites up in the hills because God, or the God of Israelites, was the God of the hills. But he said, if we fight in the valleys, we're going to beat them. Oh, God heard it. You know, here's the thing right here. People say what they want to say, they curse God, they use God's name in vain all the time. And they think God does not hear what he's being said. They think God is this man upstairs somewhere far away. They only pick him up and grab him when they need him or when life hurts because God just doesn't hear. Well, the Syrians were talking about this, and guess you heard the conversation? God. You know the Bible says that God hears everything? The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. I'm telling you. See, we think 
we in our modern years, in, in, in the type of life that we live today, we think God is so far and is significant that it, is, it doesn't really matter. Well, let me put it this way. The reason why you're still living is because of God. The reason why you breathe is because of God. The reason why we don't all burn is because God continues to control this whole universe together. Oh, no, it's not. Well, okay. Okay. What can Listen, if you look at you, in spite of the whole universe, you are like a little mm, nothing. That's how we are. So, these were trashous time, or treacherous times in, for the people of Israel. And this time right here, we talked about, we've been talking about King Ahab. And of course, he's a wicked king. Why is a wicked king? Because he drove the people to worship, to worship the Canaanite god Baal instead of the Lord God Jehovah. As a result, of course, the wickedness filled the land of Israel and they were headed on a collision course with the judgment of God coming their way. However, in the midst of their sin, God still loved His people. I'll tell you what, where is America hitting today? Where are we going as a country? Do you see the condition of our world? You see the condition of our country? There's no shame. Sin is practicing plain daylight, which used to be done be, be, behind closed doors because people who are ashamed. Everything. You think God is not watching and seeing those things? But in the midst of all this, I believe if God brings judgment to this nation or any other nation, God still loves his people. Don't forget that. God loves you in the, in the midst of all this. And right here we see a, a wicked king, Baal, I mean uh, uh, um, uh, Ahab, and the way he drove the nation to worship Baal, it was still people in Israel that loved God and God loved them. So God, thank God that his love never fails, isn't it? Look what it says in Jeremiah 31, 3. 3. The Lord had appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So during this time, Israel was attacked by the neighbor or to, to the east Syria when this, this battle was, was in, 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 in total uh, rage right here. God allowed Ahab I'm sorry, and the people of Israel to defeat the Syrians and to claim victory. Do you think God gave victory to Israel because of Ahab? I don't think so. God gave victory to Israel. You know why? Because it was people there praying. It was people that loved the Lord there. I think the, way, the reason why God sustains this country still is because there are a lot of, of God's people in this nation praying for this nation. I tell you what, the lost people are not praying for America. The lost people are not praying for lost souls. The lost people are not looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus. We are. We're praying for America. I hope you do. We're praying for our presidents and our senators and our House of Representatives, our mayors. We're praying, we're praying for our governors. We're praying for our first responders. You say, you pray for these people? Yeah, God put them there. Oh, but you don't know how they... Listen, it's the position that they hold. Because if we go in opinions, we really are in our... Well, everybody has one opinion. But the position that they hold. Look what it says in verse 22. And the prophet came to the king of Israel, used this king, Ahab, and said unto him, Go strengthen thy, uh, thyself and mark and see what thou does, does it. For at the return of the year, the king of Assyria will come up again, again uh, I'm sorry, up against thee. See, there's a warning here. Listen, the king is coming against you. Get prepared. So he is told that they will, they will return to fight against. It is the second battle that we want to look at this evening tonight. I want to look at the second battle tonight. There are truths, let me tell you this, uh, taught here that will help each one of us as we journey through this Christian life all the way to heaven, okay? I just want you to encourage you tonight. I just want you to, 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 say that, to see that the Syrian army is a picture of the, our adversary. Listen to him. You know who he is? The devil. You say, well, no such thing exists. Oh, yes, he exists, and he's very real, all right? So there is a being that is out there 
which is he wants to destroy you and me. So when we are unable, let me go out, when able by the Lord to win a victory against him, you can count on him returning back to fight you again. All right? So be on guard. It's not by mistake that God says be sober, be vigilant. You ever see a sober soldier be vigilant, be on guard? You know what? Why? Because lions come to get prayers that are unaware. You ever watch Discovery Channel? You ever see how lions attack their prayers? They attack them when they're not aware. They hide in the grasses. Let me put it this. Satan is a real being, and Satan is out there, and believe me, you win a victory, you overcome that victory, you beat Satan, believe me, he's not going to go home defeated. You know what he's going to do? He's going to regroup and come back again. You know what the Syrians doing here? They're regrouping. They're coming back again against Israel. And the prophet come and warn the king. They're coming back. Yeah, prepared. Let me put it this way. If you knew that a thief were coming to rob your house, wouldn't you be prepared? Because you don't know when he's coming. That's why he's a thief. Why we put alarms and locks in our doors and lock the doors at night? Because we want to be prepared. At least he just opens the door, walks in. He has to push the door in or try to destroy the thing to walk in. You know what? Because we want to be prepared. So is Satan. Okay? The Bible says in uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Do you believe Satan is walking through this world? Oh, yeah. What did he do to Job? What was he about to do to Peter? So we will see that this is just what the Syrian army tried against Israel. However, just as the Syrians were defeated and Israel walked in victory, you and I can walk in victory too. Notice with me a few simple truths from this passage that let us know uh, this. He is still God even in the valleys of life. Number one, we see the danger, a dangerous assumption. Look at verse 23. And the servants of the king of Assyria said unto them, Their gods are gods of the hills, therefore, uh, therefore we are stronger than we. But let us fight against them in a plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. Wow. You see the wrong assumption right here? That is a dangerous assumption. You know why? Because the king of Assyria was taking his army to the valley and he didn't know that God heard the conversation. And God said, oh yeah, I'll show you who's the God of the valleys. They were going there, they're going to defeat the Israelites. I'll show you who's the God of the valleys. Okay? So there are many people who make the wrong assumptions about our God. Some assume that God is insignificant, powerless, someone that they can manipulate the way they want. Some think that our God is cruel, cold, uncaring. Some others think that God is a judge waiting to hurt them when, when they do wrong and applaud you when you do right. Those are all wrong assumptions about God. You know why? Even though you might be here not saved, God still loves you. And God's will for you is that you will get saved. That you'll put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as your personal Savior. You follow that? The world is under, does not understand that. The world is easy to blame any, anything that goes bad against God. Oh, it's God's fault. Oh, it's God's fault. Really? Is everything is God's fault. How we live in a world is always blaming somebody else for our things, right? So might as well blame, blame God. So it's a, it's a natural disaster. It's God's fault. But we see here that we were, people think that say all these things about God, but they don't. That's the wrong assumptions. Letter A, we see a costly assumption. The Assyrians make a dangerous assumption here concerning the, the God of the Israelites, since they were defeated in the first battle on the hills surrounding Samaria. They assume that the Israelite God is the God of the mountain only, not of the valleys. The strategy is to get the Israelites to fight in the valley where they think that the will, uh, uh, they will defeat them. But you know what? 
for the Syrians, this would be a costly assumption. However, it is a, it is a gamble the devil makes all the time. You see, when we are on the mountains, mountaintop, spiritually speaking, we are hard, we are a hard thing for the devil to handle. When you see a Christian with joy and, and oh, I'm fire for God, it is hard for the devil to get into that. He's on the mountaintop. He's mm, for God. You know what he wants that person to be? In the valley. If he gets you in the valley, then he can defeat you. But not on the mountaintop. So for the Syrians, this be a costly assumption. When we are walking around with a, with a shout in our soul and glory in our hearts, we are forced to reckon with them. Here this morning, somebody came, when God came to me and said to me, I was in the friend building working, guy came to me and said, uh, oh, we have this job. And so I said, well, I need a welder here to give me an idea what he wants to do. So guess who was working with me? Bob, young kid, the angry Bob. <laughs> so uh, I look at, I like at Bob. So I said, Bob, um, are you okay this morning or are you not okay this morning? And he goes, oh, what do you want? I knew right away he was not okay this morning. So I told him, I was like, oh, do whatever you want to do. Well, say he was angry. Like, uh, you know what? It is amazing what people do. So, but anyway, it is hard for Satan to defeat an exciting Christian. Because you know what I did to him? That's my point. I was singing. I was joyful. I was singing. I was singing hymns. And Bob didn't like it because he was mad. So maybe that's, the only, that's, that's why Nehemiah says this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. This is the situation Satan ran with, uh, with into, into Job. He put a squeeze on Job, expecting Job to turn on, on God. However, all the devil was able to, to, to extract from the life of Job was worship and praise. Isn't that good? Satan comes to you and squeezes you and you go hallelujah 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 isn't that a wonderful i mean when sin that's what he did to job he's trying to squeeze job and job praising god that's what happened when you were in the mountaintop we're not an easy prey for satan you see however if the devil squeezes you all he gets his praise to God for his efforts. He is like to stop squeezing after a while. If every time he's trying to squeeze you, and here comes his songs of praise and worship, he's going, i got to go somewhere else. He might try again. Let me give you an example. It was advertised, this is not a true story, guys, okay, that the devil was going to put his tools up for sale. So on the, gate of this, on the date of the sale, the tools were placed for public inspection, each being marked with his sale price. There was a, 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 good, a good amount of, of, uh, of tools there. One of the tools was hatred, envy, jealousy, doubt, lying, pride, and so on. But lay apart from the rest of the pile was a harmless-looking tool, well-worn and priced very high. What is the name of that tool? Asked one of the purchases. Oh, said the adversary. That's discouragement. Why have you priced it so high? Because it's more useful for me than the others. I can pray open and get inside of a person's heart with, with that one when I cannot get near him with the other tools. Now, once I get inside, I make, I make him to do what I choose. It's badly worn tool because I use it at the most of every other tool that I have. The devil's price for discouragement was so high, he never sold it. It's still his major tool today. He still uses on God's people. You know what that tool is called? Discouragement. You can be in a mountaintop and in two seconds be very discouraged. Ever happened to you? Ever happened to me? It's been said that discouragement is the handle that fits all the devil's tools. The idea is here that Satan knows that when we are on the mountaintop, we are hard to get. Therefore, he assumes that if he can get us in the valley, 
we will be easier to defeat. What happened to Elijah? What was Elijah on the mountaintop? What happened to Elijah? He heard a statement by a queen. It just took over him, discouraged him. He ran away. He wanted to die. He put himself in a cave. See what happens when we get discouraged? We get through all those things. If the devil, let me go back here a little bit. Sadly, he has been right in many, many cases. If the devil can get you to focus on the negative aspect of any situation, he can get you, he can get you discouraged. If, we can get, if he can get you discouraged, he can get you defeated. If he can get you defeated, he can steal the victory of the Lord right from your heart. He can suck the joy out of you. I just want to remind you of this. Listen to this very carefully. Life is 10% about what happens to us and 90% about, about we reacting to what happens to us. You follow that? Let me repeat that. Life is 10% about what happens to us and 90% about, about we reacting to what happens to us. If we develop a woe me attitude concerning the events of life, then you are going to be easy prey to the devil. He will use that tool, discouragement. If, however, you can learn to put into practice the lessons of Philippians, actually, go to Philippians chapter 4. I want you to see something here. Philippians chapter 4. Look, let's pick up on verse 6 over here in Philippians chapter 4. I keep saying all the time, Philippians is a great book because it is a book full of encouragement. All right? So look, look what it says on Philippians chapter 4. It says, be careful, verse 6, for nothing, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds to Christ Jesus. And look what it says. And finally, brethren, Look what Paul says in here. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, look what it says, think on these things. Look at verse 9. Those things which he have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Is that encouragement or what? That's what we need in our discouraging world today. We need that stuff right there. Listen, let me put it there. This world is like this. Brother Tom, you're crying today. I try to console you. Tomorrow, guess who's crying? Me. And I want you to console me. That's the way the life is because life is made of so many problems. So many problems. See, has the devil tried to trap, trap in your life? Of course he does it all the time. He has used a tool of discouragement on you. He has used it on all of us. If we can just get off, can get us off the mountaintop, we will be easy pray for him. But let's stay in the mountaintop. And when we're in the valleys, let's trust the Lord. Because he's the God of the valleys as well. Number two, we see a powerful announcement. Look what it says in verse 28. And came, and there came a man of God, and spake unto the king of Israel. Amazing, listen. This king is not, no, no other than Ahab, a wicked king. But God is gonna, not going to let his people be defeated because of one person. You follow that? God was going to take care of his people in spite of a wicked king. Because God would take care of him. We say, well, you know, God's going to, no, no, no. God is going to, going to take care of this situation. And when he's done, he's going to go back to him. And we were going to look, we're going to look on that. But right now, it's about God's people. So the mockery and the conversation that went on in the Assyrian camp and all, and, and all that, that God heard, heard it all. You know, uh, listen, I'll tell you what. In my job, outside my job, in the stores, Many times, I, whatever I go, I heard people mocking God, cursing God, using His name in vain, using His name in the curse statements all the time. Here's the thing. 
They think God cannot hear what they're saying. But God hears what they're saying. Right here. Right here. The children of Israel are in their place. The Syrians are in their camp preparing for battle. Who heard? God did. Who sent the messenger? God did. And God said, I'm going to show them who's the God of the valleys. Listen, folks, you are in the world. You, you see the people. You see the mockery that goes on against our God. You see what's going on out there. So the Lord sent his man to warn the king. Our God is the God of the mountain, but our God is the God of the valleys. There's no limitations with our God. There was only one problem with the Assyrian assumption concerning God right here. God was greater than they thought he was. He sends his prophet to tell Ahab that God is going to prove himself to be God of the valley as well, the God of the mountain. He, he assures his people of victory. I just want you to remind you this evening, folks right here, I just want to encourage you that God is bigger than your valley and my valley. You follow that? Listen, folks, I came down with cancer. I was in the deep valley. I thought I was going to die. Literally, I thought, I saw my father went through, through battle with cancer. I thought I was going to be next. I was in a deep valley. And my concern was not for me, because I knew I was going home. My concern was for my, my family. What's going to happen? My kids were small. I had kids in college at the time. I had a little kid at home. I was concerned about my family. And I was a Lord, take this from me so I can take care of my family. My kid, what's going to be of them? You know what? God hit me. He heard me in the valley. He heard me. And when I was there, you don't know what I went through. But God knows and I know, my family knows. It was not easy, folks. It was not easy. And my heart cries when I heard about somebody is going to chemo, radiation, or those in suffering with cancer, because I've been there. I know what it is. See, but God meets with us in the valleys. Because he's the God of the valleys too. When we enter the valley of physical pain, he's still God. When we enter the valley of spiritual discouragement, he is still God. When we enter the valley of sorrow, he is still God. Regardless of the valley we are forced to enter in, we will find out that he is God of the valley. You see, God wants to demonstrate to his people that he is God in every stage of life. He wants you to be able to demonstrate His power in your life. He wants to show you that He is still God to you and to anyone else around you. This is why the Bible is literally filled with promises that teaches that God is in control. Our God is in control. Do you believe that? I believe that with all my heart. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, do you? I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. I have no idea. But I believe in a big God. I do. Because he's already know what's going to happen tomorrow. For us, victory begins to be realized when we come to understand that Satan wants us to be defeated, but that God has promised we can walk in victory in spite of our circumstances. We can defeat him. Because he can use our circumstances to, the, to the discourage us. Remember, stool, discouragement? When everything around us suggests that we should be discouraged and defeated, God still says that we have victory in him. Actually, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 37. I want you to say, see what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Good book, the book of Romans. Very good book. Now look what it says there in Romans 8, 37. I'll wait for you to get there. Sometimes we just we need to put our eyes in those verses. And you at home, if you are, don't just be a couch potato, all right? Get your Bible, open the Bible, and if you are watching us, interact with us, all right? Even though I cannot see you, I didn't forget you, all right? So look what it says there in verse 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than what? Conquerors through him that love us. We are more than conquerors through whom? Through our great God because he's the God of the valley. 
The final analysis, genuine spiritual victory is never a matter of that which I am facing in life. is what God can do. Let me put it this, this way. Genuine spiritual victory is simply faith in the promises of God. I am victorious not because everything is perfect in my life. I am victorious because God is in control of my life and He says that I am victorious. Therefore, regardless of the situation, I can, I can rest in the promises of God. You follow that? Your life can be a mess and you can be spiritually victorious. Regardless of what we're going through. The battle may be raging around me, but it does not have to rage within me. You follow that? All right. Who likes the ocean here? He likes the ocean here. I like the ocean. He likes to swim in the ocean. You know, I heard today that Pensacola Beach is the, is the most dangerous beach in our nation because the, under, the undertow is like, what in the world? I've been there so many times. But anyway, he likes the ocean here. All right, guys. I mean, most people like the ocean. He likes lakes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we like the ocean, right? Did you ever swim on like six-foot waves? What about ten-foot waves? The ocean is raging around you, right? But it's not raging inside of you. What do you do when you're swimming? You're beating the waves. What is the best way to beat a wave, by the way, if you were a swimmer? Um, you, uh, swim, you swim sideways. Oh. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I put it like this. I learned from just me. You might, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. When the wave comes crashing on you, just get out of the water. Just get out of the water. Let the wave pass. Believe me, you won't be dragged. Just put it out of the water. It's like, oh, I'm scared. Don't be scared. The, water, the wave just goes right by you. Whoosh, rages by you and you come up. Some people don't like to put their head in the water because the salt burns their eyes. It's better to burn your eyes for a little bit than be dragged all the way up with the wave. All right? So I learned that when I, when I live in the islands because the, a lot of times those big waves, if we look at the coast, it was just rocks. And if you don't do something, you will be hitting the rocks with the waves. So we had to do something. We just cut into the wave, and the wave would pass by. All right? So, um, so please don't misunderstand me here. I want to say something here. Uh, uh, I am not promising positive thinking here or possibly thinking here or any other uh, uh, heretical teaching here, okay? We have to, to believe in God's promise because it's all over the Bible. I am promising you that, that taking God at His word and believing that he, what He tells us is, is a great tool to defeat the devil as He comes to us with this great discouragement. So more than anything else, the path out of the valley begins with the ability to surrender to God in every circumstances of life. Let me put it this way. Fanny Crosby is one of my favorite uh, hymn writers. I love to sing her music. Was blind since childhood and lived to be 95. She wrote this poem at age 80. Blind but happy. Oh, what a happy soul am I. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world content I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To wrap inside because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Wow. What an encouraging statement about a person that cannot see. Is another other place that somebody asked her, if you were to get your sight, what would be the first thing you would, want, you would like to see? And she said, without stopping, my Savior. That's exactly what happened to her. She went up seeing her Savior. Number three, we see a divine accomplishment. A divine accomplishment. Look at verse 29. And they pitched one over against the other seven days. And, it was, and it, so it was that in the seventh day, the battle was joined. And the children of Israel slew the Assyrians in hundred thousand footmen in one day what a bloodshed what a bloodshed what a battle who is victorious 
They cannot take credit because God was the one that got the victory. God says, I'm going to show you who's the God of the mountains and who's the God of the valleys. You know, folks, we worship today the same God. He's the God of the mountain and he's the God of the valleys. Folks, every time we put our total faith in the Lord and believe in his promises, God always comes through. We can see victory in every circumstance of life when we put them in the hands of the Lord. The children of Israel experienced victory after victory when they totally trusted the Lord. Okay, what happened at Ai? What happened? The children of Israel got defeated by a little, little town. Why? There was sin in the camp. Okay, so they went there. Somebody had sinned, and they they went, I'm not going to trust God. I want these things. Listen, if God wants to give you riches, he's going to give you riches. You don't have to steal and go against what God says. This guy, you know, because of him, somebody suffered. But what happened over here? But after that, we see victory after victory every time God's people trusted God. Now, letter A, let's see the context. The people of Israel believe and enjoy a tremendous victory over the Syrian army here. They saw the enemy put to fight by the power of God working through them. This is the place the Lord desires to bring us. He wants us to come to that place where we realize that He is God regardless of what we are facing. He wants us to get our eyes off our needs and get them square on His face. Look what it says in Hebrews Actually, go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Look what the writer of Hebrews says about this. About have our eyes on our Lord. Look what it says there. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, we live in a world today, we think that God is insignificant. I hope God is not insignificant to you. Because God is. He's real, the same God. You know, we have, I do everything first and God, no, no, no. Let's give it to God. So we don't allow, allow Satan to defeat us. But he wants us to know that he is able. You see, regardless of what we think about, what we are facing, God is still God. You follow that? Shame on us when we live like he isn't. You follow that? Okay. What happened when the Twin Towers fell? Many people died. Many people cried. Our congressmen went to the, to the steps of the White House and prayed to the God of Heaven. It was an amazing sight. Does God stop being God because of that happened? No. The nation went into a state of alert. Which I don't see so much patriotism in America, but... God's still God to this very day. All things work together for good. God takes good out of bad. Amazingly, out of that whole mess of steel and stuff, one thing stuck up, and somebody got attention on that. One cross made out of steel. Somebody went there when they were taking people out of that stuff. They put a white sheet over that, over that cross. Amazingly, you know what God tried to say to me and you? I'm still God. I'm still in control. People say coincidence. I don't know. There's no coincidence with God. Let me give you an illustration. A recent retired man was sitting on his porch with a social security check delivered to his hands. He went to the mailbox to retrieve. To re I'm sorry. A check was delivered. I'm sorry. Let me reread this thing. A, uh, a retired man was sitting on, on his porch. Uh, his, his social security check was delivered. He went to the mailbox to retrieve it and thought to himself, is this all my life is going to be from now on? <laughs> just sitting, collecting. Just sitting on the porch waiting for the next Social Security check to arrive. The man got very, very discouraged. So he took a legal pad and began to write down all the gifts, all the blessings, all the talents, and everything that he had had going, uh, that had gone through him through the years. He listened to them all, even small things. For example, 
He included the fact that he was the only one in the world who knew his mother's recipe for fried chicken in which he used, which he used 11 herbs and spices. He went down to the local restaurant, going to do something about it, asked if he could get a job cooking their chicken. Very soon the chicken became the most popular item on the menu in that restaurant. He opened, then he decided to open his own restaurant in Kentucky. Then he opened a string of restaurants and eventually sold the Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise to a national organization for millions of dollars. He became the public representative and continued in that role until his death. That man who refused to accept defeat was none other than Colonel Erlen Sanders, the owner of, of course, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You see, this man said, I'm not going to sit down and collect Social Security checks. I'm going to do something about it. He counted his blessings, and he continued to count his blessings. Imagine that. The blessing of his mother's fried chicken. Not his fried chicken, his mother's fried chicken. And God bless it beyond measure. Listen. It is a sad thing when we sit home and say, I'm going to sit here and die. That's what Elijah did. I'm going to sit here. Just kiss, kill me. Friends, this is where the victory is enjoyed. Notice I didn't say won. Why not? Because God has already won all our victories for us. We live in defeat and discouragement because we refuse to embrace victory by faith. Never allow Satan or the flesh to cause you to, to, to swallow you in a valley. Never allow them to get you discouraged or to cause you to think that God is unable or unwilling to help you or help me. Because God is able. So folks, the truth is, victory is available all the time in every situation for every child of God. You believe that? Okay, if you believe that, say that with me. Victory is available all the time in every situation for every child of God. I believe that. That's why I wrote it in there. I believe that. And if you're a child of God, I'm telling you what, we can experience victory. Listen, it's not, listen, you say, well, you don't know my life. That's not what I'm talking about. The, the, wave, the waves can rage around us six, ten feet tall, but we don't have to be at rage with our hearts. You follow that? Our heart can be at peace, trusting the Lord. In the joy of the Lord in our hearts, let everything rage around us. Think for a minute about some great man from the Bible who knew that God had already given them victory in spite of their circumstances. For an example, Joshua and Caleb in Numbers chapter 13. They went, spied the land, right? They came back. They were sure of victory. They didn't doubt. They didn't say maybe. They said, listen, these guys have got nothing but grasshopper. We're going to go over there and conquer the land. They wanted to go. Who didn't want to go? The other ones. Why? Because they were looking at the circumstances rather than God. They said, listen, our God brought us all the way here. Our God can give us victory. They're certain that Caleb said, we go. And Joshua said, we can go there. Another man was David. All right. What happened to David? 1 Samuel chapter 17. We see the story of David and, and Goliath. Who was Goliath doing? A man of war? What was he doing? He was mocking God and the armies of God. What happened to the, to the children of God? They were all afraid. Even the king was afraid. Oh, we're not going to look how big is that guy. You know what? Don't measure people by their statue how big they are. The bigger they are, the bigger the fall. I believe when that guy hit the ground, it was poof. A big thing of dust went up in the air. Brother Rosado, you've been in that site, didn't you? With, with Goliath and David? You passed by there. I mean, when you kidding? I, mean, I would just stay there, just try to imagine in my own mind that big 10-foot guy. Imagine 10-foot guy. Boom. And, 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 and the wind that, that created out of that, that wave. The taller you are, the bigger the fall. You know what? Who was David? A little shepherd boy. He didn't bring to that battle any weapons of war. 
Who got the victory? God did. God did. I'm going to say something here that Brother Rosado doesn't like it, but some, it seems like we memorize these guys' names rather than their, <laughs> their Jewish name. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know he sent a message the other day. He said, you don't call these people those names. <laughs> and I was looking at this message today. I said, he's going to be there, and he's going to laugh when I'm saying this. <laughs> and there he is. He's laughing. I knew he was going to do it. I was in Florida, and he, he has a message and about uh, these, these three guys in here, and he uh, mentioned that. Oh, don't call them. We always call these guys' names. We know these guys' names. <laughs> I don't know how you said it. But anyway, praise the Lord. I love you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so there are many other others in the Bible, of course, but they, they are sufficient for us, these three are here, that, that for, us to, uh, uh, for us to see that regardless of our, our, our things may appear on the surface, we must never... Uh, uh, doubt that our God cannot be in control of the situation or cannot, or cannot help us. I have no way of knowing what you are facing this evening. I, know, I, I don't know what's going on in your heart, even you online. I don't know what's going on in your life. But one thing I, I can tell you, God knows what's going on in your life. God knows. And let me tell you, if you're in the valley tonight, God can, God can put you in a mountaintop and God can be victorious to you in the valley as well. So let me remind you one more time before I close it, that God is God when you are on, on the mountaintop or when you are in the valley. He's still God. So the secret of enjoying the mountains and the valleys, listen to this, is learning that God is in control. The secret. I think the secret to life, to the Christian life is this, learning that my God is in control. Listen, there are days on which we cry. There are days on which we laugh. There are days on which we hurt. There are days when we are discouraged. But nothing of those things stop God from being God. Right. Mm -hmm. He is God. He's still God. There are days we are desperate. There are days we just, oh, we had it. I had it with this. You know what? He's still God. Right. He's still God. If you can do that, then whether you are on top or on the bottom, you, all, you will always be on the mountaintop inside of your heart and experience victory regardless of what's going on around you. The first step in arriving at that place is learning to bring your burdens to Jesus. Many a New Testament promises have, have come to this, and they come also from the Old Testament, but, but in, in the New Testament we see that the Bible says, Casting all you care upon him for what? He careth for you. Listen, this is a verse many people know by heart, but may we understand the words of the verse. God says, bring everything to me because I love you. Do you want to be specific about it? God says, I care by you. I love you. You are important to me. For God says here, Peter was... Reinstating the, the words of David in Psalm 50, 55, 22. Actually, go to Psalm 55, 22 and see what it says there. Let's see what it says there in Psalm 55, verse 22. It seems like it's almost 1 Peter when we see the, the, the uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Look what it says there. It says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You see that? It's almost like, hmm, we're there with First Peter. So we, I conclude with this illustration right here. Um, let me see this guy. This guy called Elijah Hoffman loved those verses. He was born in May 7, 1839 in Pennsylvania. His, his father was a minister and Elijah was introduced to Christ as a young age. He attended Philadelphia Public School, studied science, then purchased the classics, uh, uh, pursued the, 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 the classics at Union Seminar of the Evangelical Association. He worked for 11 years with the association publishing house in, uh, in a publishing house in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Then following the death of his young wife, he returned to Pennsylvania and devoted 33 years of pastoring in Harbor Presbyterian Church. So Hoffman pastime was writing hymns. 
many of which were expired, inspired, I'm sorry, by, by incidents in, the life, in his life and the lives of others. So one day, for an example, while calling on a, on, on a destitute of Lebanon, Pennsylvania, he met a, a, a young woman who, whose depression seemed beyond cure. She opened her heart and poured, out, poured uh, on him uh, her, her sorrows, writing, uh, uh, writing her hands, uh, uh, wrinkle, I mean, or moving her hand, she cried, what shall I do? What shall I do, Pastor? So Hoffman knew that she, she, uh, what she should do, for he had himself learned the deeper lessons of God's comfort. He said to the woman, you cannot do better than to take all your sorrow to Jesus. And he goes to her, he looks at her eyes and said, you must tell Jesus. Suddenly the lady's face lit up. Yes, she cried. That's it. I must tell Jesus. So her words echoed in Hoffman's uh, ears. And he, he began to, 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 to think about it and think about it. And a song came. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he's kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. And, uh, of course, we know the song very well. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. See, the song came out, that conversation with this young woman. I tell you what, and that's what we need. We need Jesus. And we need to understand that the God of the mountains is the God of the valleys. The Assyrians learned the hard way. They thought that our God was just the God of the mountains, so they could defeat us in the valley. That's why they got defeated in the valley. You know what? You can defeat Satan in the mountain. You can defeat Satan in the valley. Because we have a great God which promised us victory. If we trust him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for this passage tonight. Thank you Lord for the encouragement that comes from your word. Lord, many times we find ourselves in the valleys. Many times, Lord, we get discouraged. We want to throw the towel in and say, I'm done. Lord, many times life hurts. And sometimes, Lord, the pain is very intense. But I pray, Father, help us to always remember you when we are in the valleys, so that Satan will not defeat us. Lord, I pray for each person here tonight. Bless them in a very special way. Those who are online watching, be with them, Lord. Encourage them, Lord. And Father, if there's someone here this evening that never received Christ as his personal Savior, may tonight they call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.